They're taking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of the top. Tales from the Tinny regrets to advise that the Tinny will no longer be broadcast from the pub, nor the cafe, restaurant, museum, social or sports gathering, art and craft fair, or any place where their general lack of personal hygiene may be deemed a public health risk to others. By decree of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, they are now officially quarantined and banished to work from home. Why don't we just do the tinny from here, Tim? They're chickens for eggs, and I suppose eating if it comes to that. They're not fish. Well, where are the fish? Where's the barrow? Where are the jacks? We'll do it from there. I don't have any. Why not? Because I've got a pet dog. You're not considering eating the dog, are you, Tim? What are you talking about? You really are a prepper, aren't are you? Are you mad? Do you <laughs> Things really... are tough, Tim, but they're not... Tales from the tinny. Prepping. Sorry, working. From home. On ABC Radio Darwin and podcast. G'day, 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 g'day Sorry, I'm choking on some of the feathers there. <laughs> welcome, welcome back to the Chookyard. The maelstrom that is my place as the tinny continues to work from home following what was one of the weirdest Easter's known to man, was it not, Andy? It was amazing. It was um, very, very weird, wasn't it? Yeah. It was particularly weird at your place. What was the what was what was the go with the pop top camper out on the out on the front lawn? We decided to do the the driveway camping tin, so we, we left home to go home and set it up with the eight year old, camped out three nights and experienced the, the great outdoors, including the rain on the last night. With an eight year old, it's all about the narrative and how you talk up the narrative before it happens. And I'm sure you would have done a, a wonderful job of that. Oh, you have to, to convince you, her that this was actually better in many respects than actual. Camp. Yeah, you have to pre-nurture this, and, and there, you, ha, you had to you had to give a few cells. I mean, let's face it, we're lucky in the territory, right? Where else could you stream Netflix from your camper? <laughs> Where else would it not be camping? Sitting an not air con- sitting in an air conditioner, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and run in and have a hot shower anytime you want in the privacy of your own home. So it went okay. All that and more on the camping trip. It was fantastic. And you know what? I learnt as an adult that sometimes you really do need to see things through the eyes of a child. So through her eyes, she she said to me, Dad, this has just been the best camping weekend because it's been just you and me. We've done all these things. We even went fishing at one point. I got a couple of small goldies and brim and stuff from the harbour. Mm-hmm. Right, get this, whacked it in an esky with an aerator on a 12-volt, ran that for four hours, didn't feed them. And then I said, rightio, let's go fishing on the front lawn. And did, that's what, Did it work? Yeah, it was great. She got a goldie and she got a... <laughs> She got a, gr- a grunter <laughs> off the front lawn. <laughs> so good. Good times. You know, well, I love working well done from on home. The pre, on the pre-nurturing. Oh, oh, thanks, Tim. Thanks. It's an A-class pre-nurture. Yeah, you got to do that. You got to do that groundwork to, to sort of, you know, pull the whole deal off. Uh, it is nice working from here. It really is. If uh, if the listeners could just see this, they they are real chooks. I mean, all, everything you heard there was reality radio. Mm. Uh, you got your beautiful pool here, and it's just a, a lovely sunny afternoon. The problem with the chookyard this week is it it stinks. And as if you know, if you've ever had ducks, we got rid of the ducks because they poo so much, and it's it's one hundred percent diarrhoea oh, with ducks. Okay, there's never a solid poo in them, and it attracts a lot of flies. Now there's there's, there's less flies, but I apologise for those that are still here. 
it's a rather pungent place to be broadcasting this week. Yeah, it, it does smell a bit rural, but it's all part of the adventure, Tim. They've got a name for it now too. I wonder how you handled this over Easter and what he was referring to it the other week, Andy, when he talked about the beer fridge. When you're working from home, the beer fridge that keeps eyeing you off at 9am. It talks to you, doesn't it? It's now officially called becoming an isoholic. Uh-huh. I'm a diagnosed sufferer. I think we both are already. wonder how you're travelling, Fishos. Oh, well, another who's clearly a diagnosed isoholic. In fact, Will was, was well before uh, coronavirus uh, is Nev, who likes beer. <coughs> yeah, that's him. He asked over the weekend... Any chance of launching it shady in the morning? Boys, I like beer. <coughs> so, Nev, yes to shady, but not to Kakadu or beyond. And I'm, we're kind of glad you raised it because Fisho's for elsewhere. Those closed areas that you're posting on Bookface, did you think that Faceache was your own little private diary or something? That, Others can actually see what you put on there. <laughs> to be fair, the overwhelming majority over Easter have been doing the right thing, and I think probably in these cases have been doing it innocently enough, Andy. They don't know that the areas are closed under the Biosecurity Act in, in, in many cases. Yeah, and I fished the harbour again on the weekend, and I've got to say, you know, it was everyone was doing the right thing down at Diner Beach and out on the water. It was, it was really good to see. So the majority are great. But you're absolutely right, Tim. It is your obligation or our obligation as fishos uh, to, know, to, to know all of this. Not just because of the fine. That's the, the fine's the one thing, but there's an auxiliary to this. And that auxiliary is the fact that, you know, if someone stuffs it up or enough people stuff it up, then it's going to stuff it for everybody. And then, know, then we're all going to miss out on going for what's left of an already poor runoff. The other ancillary is FOMO, fear of missing out on Barra, that when the, the fisho's doing the right thing, which is the majority see the few doing the wrong thing, i.e. going into the daily or going into the roper or going into parts of Kakadu and then posting it, the fear of missing out on Barra can overwhelm the right-thinking fishos trying to do the right thing. It they they, they it don't can. want to miss out. No, that's exactly right. And so you get this sort of revolving door of stupidity or, as I would call it, a, a self-licking ice cream. And it, it, it is a self-licking it, ice cream. It just keeps licking itself until there's nothing left. Or a self-licking window for fishos. In, these, in this case. I guess it's like a, a festering, highly infectious contagion of dumbness is what you're suggesting. Or maybe a more, a real, a more a rapidly escalating curve of ignorance. Yeah, what's the, the opposite of flattening the curve? It'd be like fattening the curve. So it's fattening the curve of dumbness. <laughs> <laughs> the message is if you're taking some of the pain, not going where you want to go, Fishos, you're taking it with the majority of others for the right reasons. And... For those who have done or still continue to do the wrong thing, we know you probably didn't know, so let's go through it again. All with the proviso that you should be following those social distancing rules and fishing only with members of your household, so on and so on, so, or fishing solo. Shady Andy is open. Yes. Nowhere else in Kakadu unless, unless you, you live, live there. That includes the east and the south, and you're just going to have to suck it up. Yep. And the Wildman is definitely a grey area, depending on what map you use. But the advice it's is... It's a tough one, Wildman. Yeah, the general advice is do not fish it. Anson Bay to the Reynolds, so south to the Reynolds, and including the Reynolds itself and the coastal creeks, are, you know, on the north, north side of the side, Reynolds... yeah, I know, yep. Um, ...are open. They're okay. 
but you can't launch at Channel Point now. So the only way to get to them is via uh, Dundee. Further south of the Reynolds, anywhere further south of the Reynolds, is off limits. That includes the daily, even if you're entering it by water. So you can't even go there in your own boat. You can't. You can't come in via water. And that includes the coastal creeks around the mouth as well. It includes, in- includes including the, the, the moil. Yeah, and that's a critical point there. Yeah. The Roper too is um, closed, including accessing it by the water and the Lemon. Those areas, all of course, unless you live in the biosecurity regions. If if your area is closed because of a biosecurity control, then you live there, you can still fish within it. You just can't go into it to fish. Mm. If, if, and that's as clear as we can make it. Yep. All that info is on the AFANT uh, Facebook page, which, by the way, was accessed over 3,000 times just over Easter by Fisho's Andy, trying to find the information. And that doesn't that just show you how much we're all trying to do the right thing? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good thing. And it's also a good thing that there's that single source of information out there yep. for fishos too. Yeah, that's the place. Yep. They don't need that in Victoria because they don't have fishing in Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> so count ourselves lucky. So count ourselves lucky. Um, while we're on sort of goodish news, <laughs> this is other terrific news. It's from Angeline Brassard at the Weather Bureau. She laid down some pretty ho- cold, hard facts about just how bad things have been in Catherine. Catherine is by far the worst in terms of rainfall totals. Currently, it's about 457 millimetres. The driest wet season was back in 1970, and that wet season had about 788 millimetres of rainfall. So Catherine needs about 250, 300 millimetres of rain to to even reach that milestone. Yeah, to even get to the worst. Well, that's bloody great news, Andy. Thanks. Yeah, not not good. Uh, And Darwin's bad. It's not as bad, though. Darwin itself, currently uh, it's the driest wet season since the 2015-16 season and we're about 11 millimetres short uh, compared to the last wet season in terms of monthly rainfall totals. This is the first month since May 2019 where we've actually seen above average rainfall now for the entire month. So really we're in the bottom 10% of all wet seasons. I mean, if you ran 2020, Tim, just on stats... Mm. None of the stats for anything in life look very good. (laughs) We're tracking graphs of this hideous disease, you know, flying around the world. We're tracking graphs of the worst ever wet seasons, the lowest production of barra. You know what, though? We're alive and there's still fish out there and that's a beautiful thing. Good try. Just as a final note, Tim, the forecasters are saying that the chance, and I quote, the chance of any further significant rain has passed, which on my interpretation says that even the rain's decided to socially isolate. Well, that's the worst quote I've ever heard. That, that's the worst thing, in fact, that, that I've ever heard come out of your mouth. It doesn't inspire hope, does that, it? That the chance of any further significant rain has now passed. Hmm. I know it's wrong, but I'm actually blaming you. For, I will blame the messenger. Well, they weren't my words. The fact they came out of your mouth is making me feel distaste towards you as a human being. This is a little bit worrying here. Now, I'm putting my, my compassionate hat on here. Is everything all right, mate? Are you okay? Not really. You want to tell me what's not okay? It's no. okay to be not okay and to tell not your mates really. that you're not okay. I mean, you're under a lot of pressure. I'm not okay. You've been working from home. You've been homeschooling. I'm not, I'm not okay. What are we going to do about it? Open the beer fridge. That popper that we had just got hammered. Absolutely magical session. Hooked up, cast after cast after cast after cast. The lures landed, twitch, twitch, twitch. Triple hook up. Tales from the tinny. 
Well, Tim Beard's officially out of isolation now, and hopefully that means an end to the string of ridiculous interviews yeah. with fish shows from maggot-infested bins with fishing rods, dangling lures and the like. Let's uh, hope so. Well, he's filed in. He's actually filed from his first outing, which was a, a soul-enriching walk along the Darwin Harbour foreshore. I find I'm so excited I can barely sit still a whole of thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a free man can feel. A free man at the start of a long journey <laughs> whose conclusion is uncertain. has really gotten silky smooth Hasn't in isolation. It? He could go Pleasure. to Hollywood now you with that voice. Th- yeah, you know how they say when you're in isolation, go take up a new skill? Mm. Mm, he's done something to his testicles there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's self-improvement in, in a way of sorts, I suppose, Beard. Maybe that's where the rest of the gaffer tape went. Just lovely. Gee, he's going to go really beautifully on the, on the radio from now on with that gorgeous voice. The following message is a co-production by the Top End Fishing Community and Tales from the Tinny. Locations may be shrouded in mystery, names may be changed, and the truth may be stretched. A lot. All in the name of producing the Tales from the Tinny podcast. Available at abc.net.au slash tinny on the ABC Listen app or your preferred podcast provider. Keith Watson's been out fishing solo in uh, in the harbour. How are you, Keith? Oh, I'm very good, thanks, mate. How are you doing? I'm well. Solo because of the virus or solo because you want to fish solo? Because you normally fish solo anyway, don't you? I do, uh, I do fish solo a fair bit, but I, I also enjoy fishing uh, with a few of my mates, but now I'm forced to fish solo, which I don't mind too much. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a win. It's kind of a win if you've got one of those pest mates who, whenever they find out you're going fishing, just hassles you and wants to tag along. Now you've got a reason to say no, Keith. Absolutely. Maybe next time, mate, or maybe in six months from now. Yeah. Or maybe never. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you head, Keith, and how did it go? I headed over towards uh, Middle Arm and specifically all around the Channel Island area there um, to target some flats. Uh, the tide was looking good. I think it was about a 2.4-metre low, although that low was uh, later in the afternoon, around 3, and it was, uh, it was outstanding. And water clarity was great. Um, there's some great colour changes, the drains really stood out and uh, it was a pretty good session for all in all really. Why do you like that 2.4 load? You get enough um, flow out of the mangroves and out onto the flats and the drains do drain pretty much all the way out um, but, but you've got really good water clarity. So between the drains across the flats, um, as long as you've got some sunshine there you can you can see across the flash, you can see any moving fish as well. So you use it to your advantage. A couple of uh, numbered drains that I have that I know that at certain stages of the tide, they will will work that little bit better, um, either because they're deeper or they've got really nice elbows in the drain uh-huh. um, where they get to that certain level where you know there's going to be an ambushing fish there waiting for you. You can pick it just by the look of the drain often, can you? Most of the time, yeah, but I do move around a fair bit. I, I don't just lock myself on one drain. I will go between a dozen drains backwards and forwards, you know, over a two, three-hour period. How much water is there on top of that drain when it's fishing well or you're, you're the most confident barrow are going to be holding in it? Oh, I basically look for at least half a metre, at least half a metre of water over the top of that drain. And how did the session go? 
I did uh, all right for a, a solo session. I landed, or I boated eight fish. So eight fish come over the gunnel, and I dropped uh, about eight fish as well. Oh, that's bloody, that's so, bloody good, man. Yeah. yeah. But it was, uh, it was one of those days where no dramas of uh, enticing the strike and hooking the fish. The drama was actually keeping the hooks in the fish. So. Yeah, what, what, what was the problem there? F- frankly, that's, that's yeah. pretty poor. It is poor odds, I must admit, but you know, it puts a smile on one's face. You oh, know? Of course, yeah. makes you work, makes you work that little bit harder. Um, if I was to pinpoint it on something, I'd say it was the size of the hook I was using. I was using a slightly smaller jig head than normal, and I just uh, I find I don't get as good a hook set. I like to have a bit more hook exposed, and seems to pin the fish a lot better in the corner of the mouth. So you're running small, soft plastics, light stuff. Yes, yeah, just like four inch. Three and four inch uh, softies. Uh, and what size were they? Boated fish up to around about 70 centimetres. Dropped three fish over 70 centimetres right next to the boat because they had no one to net them for me. <laughs> and because <laughs> uh, you, you have to play them out. You can't just try and get them in as quick as you can and then whack them in the net. Catch yourself out doing too many things at once. And, and, and this is the great injustice of coronavirus that, that we're dropping so many fish because we're fishing solo. Yeah, it's just one of those things. But at the end of the day, you know, we still have that ability to get out on the water and do these things. So uh, dropping fish is not so bad, I suppose, as long as you can convert one or two. The other challenge that, uh, that many are facing is taking a photo of the fish solo to the yeah. point where last week Bolchi had to photobomb his own pictures which he was just taking pictures of his own face. I've been mean to have a go at uh, Bolchi over that. Um, <laughs> I described it. I described his photos as basically he looked like he was having the, the selfie with a quokka at Rottnest Island. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, he's got the ability to do it. Lat seems to be doing a lot better job than, uh, than Bolshe in, than, in that respect. So uh, he maybe has to take a few leafs out of Lats's book. How did you go? Put it on a timer. Yeah. When you put, yeah, put it on a timer, give yourself five or ten seconds so you can get that. Get yourself in the uh, the viewfinder there properly to get it. Yeah, you, it, it you'd probably ha- take a dozen photos, but anyway, you get one and good one out of it. That's right. It ain't hard, Bolt. You, um, how was behaviour at the ramps? L- at launch time, was it was really good. Coming back later in the afternoon after five uh, was a bit of peak hour. Everyone was uh, <clears throat> adhering to the uh, the rules as best as I could see. Oh, there was a little bit of ramp rage going on because people were taking eight, ten you know, a dozen attempts to reverse trailers down. Standard fare. Other than that, yeah, all, all in all, uh, behaviour and everything was pretty good, and I was um, I was impressed to see that people were uh, doing the right thing. They were either fishing solo like myself or they were there with um, as a family or it was dad and daughter or dad and son days out on the water. Didn't, didn't seem to be any uh, mates out fishing. Keith, would you describe yourself as being okay? I would. I would say that I am okay, absolutely. How's mental health? Mental health is okay uh, as long as uh, I can get out at least once a fortnight, scratch that itch for fishing and uh, catching uh, a barrel or two. Yep, that keeps me okay, I'd say. I would like to be going at least three days a week if I could, but those other <laughs> added pressures that we have, you know, work and kids at home and everything. So I think... One should be uh, quite lucky and uh, appreciative of getting out at least once a fortnight these days. You got it, man. Good to hear from you and glad you got out and had a great session. Cheers for sharing. Yeah, it was good. No dramas at all.
Yeah, look, fishos can be sympathetic and patient to a point. To a point. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know, Tim. Most would tolerate a couple of failed backing attempts without too much complaint. Church members are generally push that to half a dozen they tolerate. Yeah, but sort of eight, ten, a dozen. Like, what, Why would you even own a trailer if you'd sort of have to have that many cracks at it before you could get it right? I actually saw one on the weekend that nearly backed the boat off the starboard side of Dinah Beach boat ramp um, while I was just pulling my boat out. Like, literally, probably more than 12 times. Thankfully, we can, we can help. Come on, mate, the water's that way. What are you doing? What his wife backs like. She'd do a better job, I reckon. Come on, we haven't got all day. Look at him, the clown. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fishers, do you suffer a little uh, performance anxiety when backing your boat into the ramp, crumbling under the critical gaze of assembled onlookers to become a jackknifing jackass? Or maybe you're a seasoned pro, tired of the more mundane duties getting between you and your day on the water. Well, tales from the Tinny Enterprises have heeded your cries, friends, and introduced the rampside rapid response dinghy deployment detachment. Just drive into the car park, climb aboard, and watch in amazement and admiration as our highly skilled ramp crew swing into action with clockwork precision to have you on the water and underway with just a few anxious moments of gritted teeth, clenched sphincter, white knuckle discomfort. And getting your boat back up the ramp has never been easier. So which one's your trailer, mate? The Rampside Rapid Response Dinghy Deployment Detachment, coming to a ramp near you. It's just another inspired innovation brought to you by Tales from the Tinny Enterprises. And if there's one thing we love in, uh, in hoys, it's the great rebuttal, the right of reply. The procedural fairness. Procedural fairness, as love you it. put it, yeah. Uh, and here's one from Lats. Uh, you might recall, Fishos, if you heard the podcast last week, there were some accusations about his anus. Uh, some pretty clear, stark and defamatory allegations made by his mate, Tim Bolch. Uh, dear Tinny High Priestesses, noting the Tinny's scrupulous attention to the facts, high ethical standards and procedural fairness, I believe that I need to address some misleading and downright slanderous remarks made on the Tinny last week by Tim, why do I keep losing meteries, Bolch? See, it's hitbacks like that that really gladden the heart. First and foremost, I couldn't fart. I was too afraid. I had to take two cement plugs to stop the two-hourly run-out springtide of shazen. <laughs> Secondly, I think you'll find it was Tim's ass that was so thunderous that it blew Saturday night's massive storm off course. And the smell was like it just given birth to the demon god of war. So much so that after every gaseous Armageddon-type event, Tim would be checking his trolleys just to make sure he hadn't won first prize in a Toblerone finding contest. Tinny attack dogs of law have been notified. P.S. I see Tim didn't mention that he ran out of beer and came scabbing for beers off me. Kindest regards, lats. Uh, some Easter well wishes coming in too from Sholto. Uh, breaking news. Boffins from the Wagite Australian National College, which is the wank, 
WANC, Science and Technology Department, and through dedicated study have discovered that Stone's green ginger wine will destroy the COVID-19 virus-type thingies. A single bottle consumed by an open fire is considered the, <laughs> the optimal dosage. Again, one of the many succumbing to... Uh, it's not isodiction, it's uh, isoholic. Isoholics, yeah. I mean, that uh, stone stuff, I only ever had it as a teenager, but I reckon that had it killed kill, just about anything. It kills germs, that's for sure. That'd kill a cockroach. Mm. Uh, staying on the same topic, this COVID-19 may just kill the corroboree gimp indirectly. <laughs> What's I don't he know, done? I don't know whether you saw the picture of the gimp lying in no. what could only be described as a, a tsunami of gold cans. <laughs> <laughs> you could have a count the can counting competition and you, you probably wouldn't win it there was that many cans yes yeah, so perhaps gimpy um give beryl from beyond barra a ring she's dealt with a lot of these cases before so none of this is insurmountable we're yeah. with you the church is with you that that is what to do and tim i don't know whether you saw the photograph of the mangrove jack that had been uh filleted open oh, i did see with it. a couple of snakes and there's something you don't see every day didn't you think that looked like a horror movie to me that was just amazing the the, the mere fact that that a fish could eat two snakes Imagine opening that up, filleting it, and mm. them coming out. Mm. Maybe you're right, wouldn't it? Once oh. the snakes are removed, or it, you'd be a bit too psychologically scarred. Yeah, I don't like it. Those snakes were just foul. Uh, no, your chooks are foul. That was a reptile. It's not even funny. <laughs> Why am I laughing? You said at the opening to the show that you needed to get inside the mind of an eight-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're laughing. Did you ever grow out of that mind? I'm a bit of a hoarder. I think I've hoarded my childhood brain. <laughs> Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a boy. Well, Tim, we live and breathe disaster yarns, don't we, at the best of times on the tinny? They're our bread and butter. Without that, we would starve, so they're actually providers. Indeed. Well, thank you for providing and <laughs> keeping this vessel afloat on the back of your misfortune. My name's Mark Casey, and um, I'm from Daly River. I'm a pensioner. Last week, I decided to go fishing up river. I asked uh, my son to come with me because I'd, I'd uh, asked the publican to lend the pub boat. He said, oh, can you take the cook up there too? Uh, we have a cook from Italy. Packed up the boat, and uh, away we went uh, around about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We'd fished a couple of places on the way up. About half past three, we were about 40 k's from Daly. There was this God Almighty bang at the back of the boat and the boat has fallen out of the back of the boat. Frightened the daylights out of me. I couldn't see nothing. And there was no telltale signs on the top of the water to say that it was a stump, a log or a, or, or a crocodile. I threw the sand anchor out and, and then I grabbed that grappling hook anchor and I started looking for the motor. Just about threw my shoulders out of joint. I couldn't hook the motor and I couldn't hook whatever we'd hit. I thought, well, I've been a croc. Getting late in the afternoon, so we better get going. Pulled ourselves over to the bank using the grappling hook. My son got a tomahawk and cut a handle and uh, I used a bit of plywood in the back that... Uh, was part of the, the backing board for the motor. Made a uh, paddle out of that. We just got to paddle back until somebody comes looking for us. When it gets dark, they'll realise we're not back and then they'll come looking for us. We set off and, no, nah, this is no good. One little paddle isn't going to take us far, so I, I pulled into the bank again. 
and got my son to chop another piece of wood down and then the branch. And then I got the uh, 25-litre esky lid, made another paddle out of that. We paddled, the son and I, we just kept paddling and paddling and paddling. And uh, after about, oh, must be a good 10, 12 k's, it started getting dark. Well, we had the moon, half moonlight, so we just kept on going in the moonlight. And I said, oh, we'll get down here and we'll pull up to the bank there. When the moon starts going away, we'll pull into the bank, go up the bank and start a big fire up on the bank there somewhere. We're going through this uh, deep water spot. And then, bang, there it is. God almighty racket right next to my son. He yelled out, croc. And I jumped up and I went straight over the top and went, bang, with my uh, paddle. Uh, I don't know what a piece of plastic was going to do to the croc, but I hit where the croc had hit the boat. But my son said, oh, the croc's gone. It bit the boat, and that bite mark was approximately 40 centimetres wide. You know, the ribs on the side of the boat, the bottom jaw, the, 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 the teeth, the tooth there, the big tooth, hit that and, and pierced it. Not ripped through it, but just put a bit of a uh, gas in it, and then that's when it came, peeled off and when it went away. The top mark was, what, 20 centimetres or so below the top of the boat, and that's where my son had his hands. The croc hit as my son had just finished the backstroke on the paddle, and he, he took the paddle out of the water and moved it forward. And that's when the croc hit. That was close. He hit the boat and then just went away. That maybe biting the side of the boat must have frightened him or something. All I succeeded in doing was breaking his paddle. Oh. We've got one paddle left. But he was shaken up. I held on to him for a while and uh, just let the boat drift down. When he'd settled down after a few minutes, he went and sat in the middle of the boat and he said, Dad, I'm not paddling anymore. And I said, no, it's all right. And I said, besides, you can't anyway. You haven't got a paddle. <laughs> and the cook was there sitting down there and... Um, and I kept asking him if he was all right. He said, yeah, I'm all right, I'm all right. He, yeah, he's fine. Just about forgotten him in, he was in the boat. He's just a normally quiet man. Paddled for another four or five k's. And we came to this big sand uh, beach with some paper barks back up near the bank. Went in and um, lit a big fire. We all got eaten by mosquitoes. The little Italian man, he, he was... He got eaten something fierce. <laughs> About 11 o'clock that night, I heard a boat coming, and then we seen the spotlight. We were, stuck, we were on a big bend, like a big boomerang, and we seen the spotlight shining on the bank on the bend, and we yelled and screamed, and yeah, well, they couldn't see the fire because they were back, back around the other side, see? And we couldn't run around because there's too big, too much grass, so anyway... Uh, we stayed there the night, next morning, and because my arms, shoulders, and my wrists, oh, they were from throwing the, the anchors and that, and paddling, and they were so sore, my wrist was swollen, and uh, I, I didn't really feel like paddling, but I had to. We just kept 
paddling until um, about 10 k's from Daly River. The boat came around the corner. He said, oh, I was told to come and look for you by the water police. I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> the good little Italian man, he doesn't know anybody. All he said was, oh, I can get to work now. My son just said, yeah, Dad, it's OK. I'm right now. I'm over. <laughs> I came back here and I looked on the map there that we got in the pop wall there. Whoa! <laughs> 31.5k. I went, wow! <laughs> we never caught any fish. Came back with a 80 litre esky full of ice. I've learned a lesson from it. Put it away. You don't borrow someone's boat checking it properly. That's, a, that's, that's the first rule. Check it, make sure. It sounds like your motor's bolted on. It's got paddles in it. <laughs> well, that is the lesson, Mark. If you're going to borrow someone else's boat, don't trust it. Don't trust it ever. Or them. Oh, and a chain to hold the outboard on isn't a bad idea either. Oh, yeah. I learned that lesson the hard way. How so? I think I've told this story before, back in the very, very early days. Tell it again, Dad. Tell it again. Nine footer. 3.3 horse outboard, the one that didn't have a reverse. Yep. So it had the fuel tank on the outboard. This was how I started fishing in the territory. Wow. Didn't have a reverse, so you just turned the whole outboard around and went backward. Crikey. Middle arm, nine footer, 3.3, hit a log, uh, whole outboard came off. Oh. Amazingly, like some sort of superhero. I mustn't have been listening, so I'm finding this interesting. <laughs> I leaned in just as it was disappearing out of the top clarity of the water into the murky depths. I didn't dive in, but maybe from, certainly from my waist down, maybe even from my knees down, maybe I was just clinging to the transom by a very strong single toe. Wow. As I dove in, grabbed it, pulled it back out, put it back on, got got going, got home. Learnt then, never make mistake again, on a car topper or little boat, have a chain or a rope. Wow. I enjoyed it, Tim. That you said wow a lot. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing there. Yeah, that's it. It's not the last of the banquet, that story, Tim. Not yours, but um, Casey's. Uh, in fact, I'd probably pull your chair right up to the banquet because we haven't even started yet. This is going to be a, a big buffet of hurt this week. Yeah, a buffet of hurt. A buffet of hurt, and we've only just cracked into the first entree. Oh, wow. So strap yourselves in. Get a mullet up, yeah. Go on. You've been dying to try. And there's no time like the present. Tales from the Tinny. Well, you want to be an intrepid Tinny reporter using the Tinny Field recording app, risking ramp rage and ridicule to bring the church the truth. It doesn't come without serious risk. Nothing these days really comes without risk, does it? There's even risk in trying to buy toilet paper at your local shop. There is. Getting mobbed or even touching a doorknob or licking the bowl. There's risk in all of that. Licking the bowl, the toilet bowl you mean, used to be a really safe pastime that we'd all enjoy in the, you know, in the quiet wee hours. Now... <laughs> I see what you did there, wee hours. Uh, Meg should know better by now. She should. Mm. She's going to go stick a phone in someone's face at the boat ramp after a long, hot day on the water in the Territory Sun. Uh, what, is, what does she expect? Yeah, but she is the bush chook, so she is braver than most. She is braver than most. In the, in 
Okay, so we're just here. Uh, this is the bush chook recording live from Dundee. <laughs> We've just come across this champion bloke, literally leapt off the boat at the boat ramp and done a dewy dance. So, Geordie, Nycliffe. Good dewy. Uh, as soon as it hit, I knew. Had that little tap and just ran and we were getting nothing but sharks all day. But yeah, we're out off Blaze. Yep. Yeah, not not far off. We get nothing but sharks. How many rigs did you go through before you got a, got a dewy? <laughs> Four or five I was I was spewing. And I got good Gamagatsu circles on and not you're paying no too, no two bucks to pop. And you know, I lost four of them. I'm eight dollars worth of hook. Boom, boom. This is Boris. Boris from Nightcliffe. He's been out there. Someone went for a swim. What's a go? Oh, Jody oh. went for a swim. Try and have a leak off the bat. The, the, the skipper fell overboard. That's what happened. The skipper fell overboard. Five past eight, and you guys have just got back. Yeah. And oh. you fell overboard in the dark. He laughing. He's too busy laughing. <laughs> so yeah. tell me about your fishing. What else did you get today? A couple of goldies. It was hard going. And, yeah, the one Dewey made it worthwhile. That's awesome. Mm. How big yeah. was your Dewey? Uh, come in 112. 112. 112 nice. Yeah. Yeah. You need a 120 go fast YYY Delilah. Tell us from the tinny sticker, don't you think? Oh, that sounds oh, good. Absolutely. If, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Can you say that again? A bit slower. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes, I could do with one of those yeah, yeah. on my boat. Yeah. Yes. Thanks, Jordy. <laughs> Thanks, Boris. Cheers, guys. Uh, good stuff. Well, a couple of tired and emotional fellas there celebrating their big Dewey at Dundee. Yeah, look, you and I will probably never know exactly how tired and emotional those blokes were because we weren't there, were we? You can't make an, a truly accurate judgment from audio about the level of their tiredness and emotionality. Emotionality, no, that's right. You can't because we weren't there. By the same token, we don't actually know if these two blokes lived in the same house or not. We don't. So I think it might be prudent uh, to do this, oh, Tim, yeah. don't you? You yeah, know what's yeah, coming. Yes, it's a good call. In case you missed the memo, or have been out bottom bouncing at the trench for the last eight weeks, members of the Tinny Church are now hereby advised... ...to fish alone. You are a great person and will love your own company. To fish with someone who lives with you. They've proven they can tolerate you. To maintain social distancing. You stink. Have you noticed? To not congregate with other land-based anglers. No one likes a congregating land-based angler. To not get in a boat with people you do not live with. Who knows where their tackle has been. To not wet a line if you are sick or under quarantine. Seriously, are you a complete f***ing idiot? Written and authorised by Tales from the Tinny. Well, for one, I'm delighted because I've been waiting for this. You promised a banquet. It's time for the second course, Andy as we continue to feast upon the misfortune of others. Upon the carcass of their misfortune, in fact. As it lies in the gutter, taking its last breath, we feast upon it. We bathe in their suffering like a, a fat boar in an isolated wetland, into which a hunter hath ne'er set foot. Snout deep into the yams, rubbing our rancid scent upon any and every tree we choose, then we, we pass out in a puddle of our own acrid urine in the shady, wet, slippery wallow, 
It is like this that we shall feast, bathe in the wallow. Are you sure you're okay? Escalated pretty quickly, but I'm, I, I'm not that okay. I, I get the point. I do. I, I know what you're trying to I say. I haven't left this house in so many days. I know. Look, maybe we just need to enjoy listening to the misfortunes of others. Perhaps if I can just paraphrase what yourself, because it helps put our own lives in perspective, doesn't it? Okay. You've heard me say before that the flame that burns the individual warms the general society. That's that's a, a more philosophical way of talking about your wild boar uh, urine. <laughs> when, when you give quotes, I feel much, much better. Let's just listen to this, shall we? I think that's a good idea, Tim. This has come to us um, basically anonymously because we haven't been able to reach the bloke directly. But what our uh, TFT investigations team has found is that he is known as Mr. Stevens. So we've narrowed it down to about... A Mr. Stevens? Three million. Yeah, Mr. Stevens. Okay. So if you're out there, Mr. Stevens, give us a hoy. In the interim, we're going to have a listen to this because it was just too good not to share. It's fascinating. It's fraught. And this is the yarn uh, as told by him to all of his mates on Facebook, word for word, which we are assured by his associates is 100% true. Over to you, uh, Mr. Stevens. Stevens. 4pm. I got a phone call saying Corroboree Billabong Gate has been closed and locked. Decided to head to Buff Creek instead. 4.30pm. I spilled battery acid all over myself, picking up a battery. 5pm. Wash off battery acid, but use a towel hanging on the pool fence that has one million ginger ants on it. Ouch. Everywhere. 5.30pm. Put two new batteries in boat. No electrics working. Bodgy electrical repair complete. Good enough to go for a fish. 7.30pm. Get changed. Pack boat, trailer tyre flat. 8pm. On road to Buff Creek boat ramp, fill up at servo, leave wallet on top of fuel bowser. 8.30pm. Launch boat with sons and their mate, all good. 8.30pm. Hit sandbar, leaving Buff Creek mouth, lose all electrical power. 9pm. Arrive at destination, catch three snapper... Yee-haw. 9 to 10 p.m. Fall through rotten floor in boat. Fortunate, as I now notice that we are taking on water. 10.30 p.m. Boat sinking. Work phone falls out of pocket, goes overboard for a swim. Then, we all do. Swimming to Gunpoint Beach, tide going out, we make it. Boat not yet fully submerged. 10.30 to 11pm. My phone gone. Boy's phone wet. Their mate's got a flat battery. Biggest mob of abusing, blaming and threats. Mostly at me. Try to chase boys to stick a fish hook in their nose. But they are all too nimble. The lot of you. I start a 45 kilometre walk back to the Stewart Highway. 2am. Picked up by family of five in jewel cab. I ride in tray with two mountain bikes and a dog, all the way to Buff Creek. Three a.m. Leave trailer at Buff Creek and take car back to Gun Point to get kids. 
4 a.m. Pick up kids heading home. Car stops at Howard Springs Lights. Us mob all out, push car through lights to side of road. Sort that and we're off. 5 a.m. Drop lads home. Head to Buff Creek to get trailer and pick up boat. On way, engine and oil light come on. Car stops. Walk three kilometres to servo for oil. 6 a.m. Get trailer from Buff Creek with half-flat tyre. Other wheel now wobbling like Grandpa leaving the pub Friday Arvo. Wheel bearing. (coughs) Ignore problem. Head home doing 40. Lots of people honking at me. 7 a.m. Shower. Ready for work. Leave work pants on floor in laundry. Dog pisses on them. 7.30 a.m. Kids asleep. Boat sitting on beach at gunpoint. Car needs more oil. Boat needs puncture repaired. And a new wheel bearing. 7.35 a.m. Fuck the world. And everyone. And everything. I'm off to work. 8.05 a.m. Arrive at work. Well, what a yarn. Unbelievable. How much misfortune can you jam into one day? Uh, That much. There would have been 20 separate incidents of misfortune in there. Some people don't even get that in one trip. Mm. It's selfish. Hi, I'm Jack Brown from Darwin. Um, We head out a little bit to... uh, we just saw some big school busting up, like tuna, macro, all around the boat. When they get close to them, they just disappear, but this time they're not going anyway. They just hang around there. And then they start casting out a stick bait, catching every cast. <laughs> the big chuali, like meter size, and then the yeah, uh, tuna, meter size, and then there's yeah, some macro, random macro on a stick bait. <laughs> That macro is buying hook on a tuna first and then I dropped it and then quickly wind the lure back and then maybe just five meters next to the boat and then the macro just launching, trying to hit my lure in the air. Oh, airborne! <laughs> <laughs> And the macro nearly hit me too. Just so close. My friend cast out a stick bait again and then macro just fly up from the water. <laughs> nearly got me. <laughs> the other fella is on the boat. He got a macro airborne on his stick bait as well. But he finally hooked it on when, when the macro on the air and then grabbed the lure in the air too. Other than that, we land some um, good size um, golden snapper, like 70 centimeters, and a big mango jack. 70 sizes, coral trout, yeah, we caught it, good size, 65 centimeters. And my bigger blue bone on that trip is um, 70 size, very good fun time. One of the important keys when we're socially isolating in the Church of the Tinney is to have a totally massive boat. I mean, the bigger the boat, the more likely you are to be able to have 28 people on it, 
uh, have a couple of people serving champagne, uh, have a disco party up up one end, you know, have five or six bottom bouncing at the same time, uh, trawling out the back maybe for some sales or some, some pelagics, uh, all whilst being a metre and a half away from each other. And one lucky enough to be in just such a situation is uh, evil Eddie Knievel Timpson. Uh, Eddie, it's times like this that it pays off the massive amounts of coin and effort you've put into your behemoth. It does, Tim. It does. Um, you know, you can have many a people on the boat and still observe the social distancing rules. However, it was only two on the boat. We thought we'd uh, we'd bring the uh, bring the rules back, but uh, there's you, definitely potential for another five or six on the roof. You would have you would have needed a megaphone to shout to each other. Just two people on on your boat from one end to the other, wouldn't you? You were doing a lot of steps. I think I clocked up 10,000 steps that day. <laughs> so where did your head, mate, and how did it go? Uh, we just ducked around into uh, Bino. We we had a bit of a look on uh, Bear Sandy, actually. Had a bit of a look at some turtles, which was uh, quite exciting. Uh, and then uh, on to fishing in Bino. We, we had a few good drops there and put, probably would have boated close to 70, 80 fish for the, for the, for the morning. Good numbers, shallow water, just, you know, mooching around and, and, and looking, uh, prospecting for new spots, in fact. So lots of them released in shallow water then? Yeah, yeah, Tim. I, we, uh, I very much like fishing in, in the shallow water because you can catch a 100 snapper at once and, and then just let them all go because they're only three metres down. Uh, very environmentally safe and friendly, other than burning all the fuel to get there. <laughs> Eddie, Bino's tough. They're so intermittent, those patches of sort of rubbly bottom, uh, often silted up with mud. It's hard to find good ones. How did, how did you work through that? Doing a, doing a lot of miles and having a sounder that works while you're on the plane is really good because you can pick up what I call the pebble in the desert. You know, you can pick up that bommy that's sitting on the flat ground in the middle of nowhere, and that's what holds the fish. Um, the rubble holds some fish, but in order to get really good sessions, you need those pockets of reef that are not, they're not associated with the bank, they're associated with themselves. So that's where the fish congregate, in my opinion. So we were fishing in the bays, um, in, I think it was Ida and Tarpa Bay, we were having a bit of a look around. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, we were just up in against the coast there in five, six metres of water and just, you know, looking for that pebble in the desert. And, you know, we found a couple and, and did quite well. Smaller size, generally, the snapper? Uh, most of them were around the 50 centimetre mark with a couple in the 60s. All good sizes. Um, we were using some bait, um, but then switched over to the to the vibes and, and, and started to weed through them. I, I've found with the vibes, you tend to get the bigger fish and you sort of weed out the smaller ones in the bunch, which is which is quite effective. How are you coping, mate, with such a massive rig being confined essentially to harbours? She's a passage maker and she's well adept to burning four to 500 litres on a trip and we're back to 150 these days, so it does get pretty hard. We will adapt and we will overcome. Mental health? Very good. Um, You're okay? In that we got out, so mm. I'm happy. Yeah. So, you know, I got the fix. It wasn't the, you know, the massive trip, but we got out overnight and it was pretty good. Are you okay, Eddie? Oh, I think so. <laughs> I'll be I'll be more okay when uh, I can do the big trips again and and do the miles and get the smiles. 
I've done the right thing. I've asked. You're okay. Tim, I'm okay, um, but only thanks to all of those in the Tinny Church that have prayed and prayed and prayed <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> Good on you, Eddie. Nice to hear you got out, mate. We'll chat again. Thanks, Tim. Aha, the shed. Tales from the Tinny. This is where we'll work from home, Tim. Why? Well, you can smell it. The smell of the engine oil and the dead rotting rat carcasses. They kind of just speak to me and the church. Really? Working. Kinda. From home. Hey, hang on. Is, is that my landing net and bogger grips over there? I thought I'd lost them. Oh, yeah, you know, you're right. It really does uh, stink in I, here. I've been looking no, for On ABC Radio, Darwin so and podcast. Now on to some other news, Tim. Well, how much have you got? A have fair you got bit. I've got, got a fair bit, yeah. Okay. It's been a long time. I hope you don't mind if... What, you got one or two? Because I've got one or two. Yeah, I've got a couple. Remember this? Yeah, I like this. It's time for fishing news over this bloke who we call Scoop. Uh, as you were, Andy. Thanks, Tim. Uh, parking at the Buff Creek boat ramp. So the gates have been thrown open now at the Buffalo Creek secure compound, which is great. It's been left over for people that want to, or left open, I should say, for people that want to park their boat uh, trailers and cars there. The good news is the surveillance cameras will continue to operate in the area, and that is positive, happy, good news for fishers. Thank Christ for that. Um, well, let's let's um, knock that on the head because there's a Salvinia warning out from government. <laughs> <laughs> We just speakers of truth, and the truth is that Salvinia on the Adelaide River floodplain is on the Darwin side of the window on the wetlands. In that culvert, fishers, you know where lots of people get live bait. Yeah, on the left. The there government is are saying out. they've put signs yeah. up. People are ignoring it. No. They're saying please don't chuck your cast nets or get fish from this culvert because it doesn't take much Salvinia to go on your net or on your boot or you know be stuck up. The, you know the anus of a mullet that you catch in there or a rainbow fish. Uh, to then go and really stuff, you've seen what it's done in um, in in the top of the south uh, and around the the bottom of Yellow Waters. If it gets into Corroboree or other parts of the Mary, it's or the Adelaide system, uh, it's all over. It'd be like uh, Corroboree COVID. Yeah, it, the, the, it, it just multiplies <laughs> in a similar way, doesn't it? In, in yeah, all... they're saying one tiny fragment of it yeah. um, can can make a huge problem. It's great if you can let the, the department know so they can get onto it early. Eight triple nine four five six seven. Grab a GPS point if you can. You don't want to be the Johnny on the Salvinia spot that lays uh, a large turd for everyone else in one of our favourite um, billabongs or waterholes. And I didn't know what this stuff looked like until a couple of years ago. But if you want to know what it looks like, go to nt.gov.au forward slash weeds, and you can actually see uh, what this potential corona of the corroboree looks like. While we're on a sort of scientific slant. Researchers from the ANU have done a report card on the environmental health of the Daly and the Roper Rivers. Mm-mm. So it's scored, yeah, this is, sorry, Tim. I this, can imagine what they're going to say. This, this really shocked me when I heard this one. It scored a 6 out of 10, both of them actually, a couple of years ago. This year, they scored a 1 out of 10. We look at a lot of satellite data, but uh, among those data is data on what got inundated, what got flooded, and certainly... What we're seeing is that, uh, you know, at the, at the bottom of the Daly uh, uh, River and the Rope River as well, you've got big wetlands. Uh, their extent was also very, um, very much below average. 
the lowest flow rates in 20 years, uh, he reckons, for both of the rivers, mm. which is not ideal, is it? Well, we may as well wrap up a really buoyant um, and uplifting fishy news. I don't know if you heard this, Andy. Catherine is by far the worst in terms of rainfall totals. Catherine needs about 250, 300 millimetres of rain. Darwin itself, driest wet season since the 2015 yeah. 16 get... season, 11 millimetres short uh, no. compared to the last <laughs> wet season. Did you get Did you get that memo? Yeah, I have heard that. I honestly hadn't heard your outboard motor story, but I honestly ha- <laughs> have heard that. So. And that's fish is why you haven't heard this in quite a while. Because, like all news elsewhere, one thing we don't need is is more of the bad news. And what you won't get is bad news, Tim, because we're ending on good news. And the good news is the fact that the church still exists and that every week we sit down and we wade through the plethora of stuff that gets sent in for us from the church out there. That's a long, roundabout way of saying thanks. Thanks to Kai Hale. Thanks. At least you didn't talk about pigs wallowing in their own urine. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, we've we've had a good chat, but we probably need to tighten it up a bit, don't we? For next week? <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? Well, I don't understand. Look, I've had a good time this week. I really have. You're looking a lot better too, can I just say? Yeah, I mean, you've really lifted me throughout the course of the tinny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we couldn't have done this today, as always, without uh, Keith Watson and Mark Casey. And thanks also to Mr. Stevens, the mystery man out there. If, if you're out there and listening or any of your mates are out there, Give us a hoy, get get in contact, because we want to meet you. That story was absolutely mind-blowing. The the insult at the end, just the big royal finger up at you when the dog pissed on your pants. I hope you're okay. Get in contact with the tinny. Let us know that you're okay. And thanks for giving us a hoy to Jack Brown and to Eddie Knievel-Timpson. But the last word goes to the ever-vigilant, ever-valiant... Good old Megs the bush chalk, basically thrusting the tinny app into an unsuspecting fisho's face at a boat ramp and taking taking the risk. We asked bush chalk if she wanted a sticker for her own boat. This is all we got, Tim, in reply. No. Until next week, get a get an evil cackling mullet up here, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>